tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. It's the end of days. Manchester City have dropped points to a newly promoted side and so early in the campaign as well. They'll never win the title from here now. Or something like that. Anyway, welcome to the Blue Moon Podcast, where we know that City's record is actually still slightly better than it was at this stage last season. And we all know how that one ended up. On this week's show, we'll get our claws into how Wolves were able to give City such a fright at Molyneux. We'll also be asking what lessons can be learnt from the performance and where it leaves the club in their defence of the title. It's also ten years this week since the start of Sheikh Mansour's takeover at Eastland, so we'll be casting an eye over the previous decade and discussing the impact it's had both on and off the pitch. With Saturday evening's tie against Newcastle to preview, a look at the Champions League draw and your questions to answer and ask the panel as well, we'd better get cracking. I'm your host, David Mooney, and I'm joined in the studio this week by two Manchester City fans, starting off with Kieran Murray. Hello, David. Hello, listeners. And Kieran Clark. How are you? You all right? How are you doing? Buzzing. Good, good, good. <laughs> so uh, we start off then with uh, with the trip to Wolves. Um, I think easy first question, because why wouldn't it be easy? Did they deserve to win? Probably, yeah. Um, I don't think it was a great performance. Uh, their goal was ham, but their goal was handball. We hit the woodwork, which I think is a very, very Liverpool excuse, saying hitting the woodwork a few times. Um, I think our finishing wasn't as great as it could have been in the first half, um, but I think overall we just shaded it. But at the same time, you can't really argue too much with the point because I think they're one of the best teams that we will face this year. Well, I was going to say, Kieran says they deserve to win. Kieran, I mean, City were sloppy, weren't they? They didn't deserve to win. I don't think we did deserve to win. I think a point was the fair result. How good, dare you? Good, healthy debate to I, kick us off. I well, like that. Yeah, <laughs> kill you. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, Wolves Wolves look great. Um they're being hyped as finishing top ta- top top half of the table. Um people are saying top seven even, so I mean give it a few weeks, they'll be title contenders. Yeah, I mean true. it's not, yeah. Um but they're believing that hype and, and and playing um and they're playing with that belief. Um we had a draw with them last year, if you remember. No, we no we won that. No. Do you not remember? We had a it was, was part it, of our winning streak. It was. It was the winning streak. It was a win. We won that. Can we take some time to applo- applaud that uh, Wolves <laughs> side? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so Nuno kind of uh, has Pep's number a little bit, I think, and um, set up. They were so organised. Um, they look great. They caught us on the counter a number of times. Uh, in the middle of the park, that young man who we're linked with, Ruben Neves. Neves, yeah. Um, him and Moutinho. Just looked looked really tasty, and um, I thought they they dug into us. And do you know what? Up against Fernandinho and Gundogan, they, they sort of they sort of had us in the middle of the park. And... But how can you sit here and say that when, as Kieran says quite rightly, City at the post and bar three times, they forced the goalkeeper into a number of good saves. City deserved to win. That's they? very true. I think with a little bit of luck, obviously we were 
below par for what we can do considerably under par but that's still enough to win most Premier League games and I think we were well below par for what we are capable of and I still think that we just deserve to shade it but you can't really argue too much with the draw because Wolves played well so you've been too level headed there because what I was going to throw back at you is how can you sit here in good conscience and say that City deserved to win when Wolves created a number of good chances Edison made a couple of saves um, and so well, he made he made one really good save I after thought. he slipped but it, but there was a handball and offside goal that Wolves got so you know you can't really argue too much with that well, you see what I'm saying there's, there's, this is one of those it's very rare this happens but it's one of those games where there is very clearly two sides to the coin you saw I me mean? because City were sloppy City were sloppy yeah oh, it, I, I, I don't remember seeing us just as sloppy as that um, in, the, in the past couple of seasons but we were still better than them <sighs> okay but I don't think I don't think we were um, just because we were below what we should be at and below what our average is doesn't mean that we didn't deserve to win the game. Yeah, I think they they set up in such an organised way that they fought us tooth and nail. Um, they had a go, and they have the players, the manager, and the, the ground and the fans are fired up for it. Um, and for for many for many sides to have a go against City at the minute doesn't get them anywhere, but they are adequately equipped to have a go and they gave us a good fight and it paid off for them in my eyes. Now, they got lucky and also their keeper had an absolute stormer of a game. Um, but yeah, yeah. Their, their keeper had an absolute worldie of a game. But he, he, like, again, no disrespect to Wolves, even in the position that they're in now. Like some Moutinho and Rui Patricio still, you know, that they are really, really big coups of signings for them. Mm-hmm. They are really, really top class. And they should be walking into any Champions League team. And the fact that they're at Wolves is a massive coup for them. And, you know, I was lamenting the fact that Patricio was playing for them. I think if they pretty much had... I was lamenting the fact that Patricio played for them when he touched that Sterling one onto the bar. I thought it was flying in. I I think maybe one or two other keepers in the league would save that. I'm not sure I'd back Edison to save that. I wouldn't back Edison to save it. I'd have Patricio, I can't think, maybe Lloris. Wouldn't have, can't think of anyone else that I'd have. Wouldn't even fancy De, De Gea is known for his for those kind of camera saves. Well, he wasn't straight at him. So. Well, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I, that's what I mean. I think I thought Neves played really well. Martin, what I what I thought Moutinho, because uh, of his age, I thought his legs might have gone. But he, I thought, considering he was playing in the middle of the pitch, I thought he played really against well. a team that moves the ball all game yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I don't think we moved the ball as well as we could have done. Um, oh, we definitely didn't. A lot, like Gundogan got a lot of stick, and he was he he didn't have a good game. But I think he got an unfair amount of criticism from some quarters, and then at the same time, because people like you know can recognise that he's a good player and stuff like that, he got an unbelievable amount of defence that he didn't deserve either. He's a good player who had a bad game, who hasn't particularly started the season that well considering how the rest of the team's played. And I think you can recognise that he is a good player, but I don't think he should be starting week in, week out for us. But, that, but that's was, because of the high standards that we set ourselves. And I but think there, we were, there, were moments, there were moments in the middle as well, though, where you look at uh, company gave it away. Company Fernandinho was, gave it away. Com- Company's com- first half was awful. Company was the worst player on the pitch by a considerable distance on Saturday. But he that that's just what I was about to go into. But he didn't get half as near the amount of state that Gundogan did. Last year, it was so often that you looked at the whole entire City team and thought nobody had a bad game there. Everybody's performance was spot on. And in that game, there were three or four dodgy performances. So 
lads, I'm kind of glad that this happened. That that Wolves game. Has it, I mean, ah, it's, come it, on. It's brought, I but it has brought expectations down, back, back down, down, down to, to earth. earth. Yeah. After the, City, City after still the going Chelsea... to the rest of the season as, as favourites for the title. Yeah. They're still likely to go on and, and, and put in a great performance I, I, over the course of the season. I, but... I thought Liverpool had already won the title. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> I was I was building to that in the uh, in the introduction <laughs> as well. I mean, we're not daft enough to sit here and say that the title's won in August. Yeah, Pep's first season with the with the ten games on the trot, ten wins, wasn't ten, it? Ten wins, yeah. Um, and then last season, it was nice to kind of restrict ourselves to... to Just the 18 wins on the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to, to have, a, have a result that sort of brought us back to earth and, and there is work to be done. And um, we can kind of look at that game and go, right, okay, we, we got, sort of got our head over ourselves um, beating Chelsea, then Arsenal, and then a, a, a huge victory at home against Huddersfield. Um, teams are going to set up and organise very well against us. They're going to have fire in their bellies. We are the champions. What, so my friend, my friend. So what I would like to say about Wolves, though, is it, it you know, in terms of the way that they set up, it yeah. wasn't just defensive. Like, of course not. Yeah, they set up with a really like they set up really high, and like considering if you look at it on paper, they set up with five at the back, but they didn't really, it, and it wasn't really like a three-five-two. It was more like a really high, high block, um, with the three midfielders just bursting forward constantly. And I, I think if we play that game like Guardiola mentioned in November, I don't think Moutinho's got the legs to play that game in November. Yeah, it was early, early enough in the season that they could really have yeah. risen to it. Well, let's. I mean, Kieran, you've mentioned uh, Guardiola. Let's hear what uh, what Pep Guardiola had to say after the game. The team is well organized. That's why I'm not surprised, but I'm satisfied for the how many chances we create against that teams in the season. Against system with five for one, we had more problems than today to create chances. Our three posters and, and chances for the last pass or last shoot, the saves for the keeper. In the same side, in the, we we concede normally. We control quite well the counter attacks. We we didn't control quite well today. And um, but it's a good point, a good point for us because we knew it the quality of the of the opponent, and I think. Uh, we create enough chances to, to win the game, but it doesn't count, so at the end it's 1-1. One, one. But I'm not too many regrets, uh, a little bit lack of rhythm sometimes, uh, but we drop two points or we win one point and nothing, n- nothing will change after three Premier League games. So winning or losing or drawing, so it's a long, long, long time, long road and we have to, to continue in that way. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Pep Guardiola speaking after the game with Wolves. I mean, Kieran, you mentioned the uh, the Wolves goal, the uh, the handball. Guardiola, I actually cut it out of the, uh, the post-match uh, uh, press conference because he wasn't, he just was not being drawn on it. He was he basically kept saying, I'm not, I'm not the referee, so don't ask me about it. But, I mean, let's talk about how City defended it because... There's an argument to say that it shouldn't go in at that point because City should get out to the ball and stop the cross a lot sooner. I've really, I've not got that much of an argument, believe it or not, with their goal being given because I think it was such a freak incident that I I didn't spot it first time. None of the City players spotted it first time, even though obviously looking back at it, it's such a blatant handball that you know if VAR, if VAR was a thing, then of course it would be overturned. But I've not really got too much qualms with that. Um, I know we're kind of jumping ahead a bit, but what I have got qualms with is literally a minute later, the day, you know, 
Silver being just booted straight in the other, you know, in the other. How on earth any referee anywhere can not give that is absolutely appalling. It's five yards in front of him. He's looking right at somebody booting someone and he just doesn't give it purely because it just looked like he didn't want to. And I, even though obviously it is a black and white decision, the Wolves goal that it shouldn't be given, I've not really actually got that much argument towards it. We didn't defend it pretty well. But I mean, they didn't defend it pretty well, but he was offside. No, that's what I mean. We didn't defend it pretty well. He was offside and it was a handball. The offside for me is more of a contentious thing that a linesman should be picking up. But it was so weird, that handball. It was such a weird incident that I've not really got that much problem with the actual handball, even though it is a kind of... Does that make sense? I know what you mean. but I mean, on the other side of the fence, you can quite easily argue that City have defended it fine if they've caught him offside. It just hasn't been given. It should be spotted by the officials. Yeah, I, I, see, what, I see what you're saying. As I say, it, it shouldn't have been a goal. But I think when... When you're us, you've got to kind of come back from adversity in those kind of situations. And to me, I think in a lot of games in seasons past, we wouldn't have even got a draw out of that once we went 1-0 down. And it would have been just 1-0 all day, no problem. I think the fact that we got the Laporte goal was remarkably resilient for, for a City team away from home compared to what we have been until last season. But... Yeah, the the silver penalty for me, I I can't get, I cannot get over any referee anywhere not giving that as a penalty, apart from just not wanting to give it because it was that bad of a, it was a shocking decision. Kieran, penalty for you, I assume. Uh, I didn't really think it was a penalty. Ah, get out of it! I know, man. I know. <laughs> I was saying, um, th- does he? You know, I mean, does he kick the floor? Silver. Yeah. Yeah, I I sort of thought so. Um, there were. There were sort of four, like, sort of touch points in one, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, Neves had his hand on Silva's back. Silva, his one foot kicked the floor, one foot sort of went up into um, Neves's kind of, like, crotchal region, like, almost to kind of... Solar plexus? Solar plexus. Crotchal. Is that what your solar plexus are? I don't know. No, um, your, your solar plexus is under your rib cage, and your, cro- your I don't know what your crotchal is. Yeah, so Silva crotch, <laughs> crotchal sounds painful actually. Like, but most of most most of my friends who I was looking at, or most of the people who follow on Twitter while I was watching it, were like penalty, 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 penalty. Um, everybody in WhatsApp was just like that was Stonewall, black and white. Um, and it's I don't really often disagree with people who see no, the game better I'll, than I'll me. Too, you're the uh, famous contrarian. Yeah, uh, but uh, do you know what? I actually didn't think in real time it was that it was that cut and dry. Um, too many sort of things happen at once. The one thing that would suggest that it was a penalty to me is David Silva's reaction. Um, he got booked for descent off the off the back of it. David uh, Silva doesn't do that. He often. doesn't often do that. So he fully felt that he'd been aggrieved in some way. Uh, and we're still other, arguing about it minutes later with, but with Young the other, Neves. The other thing I'm that made I'm, it a penalty was the fact that it was a penalty. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to throw forward then to the next penalty incident, though, with, with Aguero. And we all every year we've said on this show, Aguero does not go down easily. No, I'm, he does. I'm, he, I, there's not he much of a there. touch he there. He did there. No, he does. I, I don't like that when we're chasing the game to see... To see our lads go down like that, it's all square at that point, was it? Yeah, no, 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 you can't, you you can't really, you can't say we when we won the league the first time, Jekyll goes down really easily in the Sunderland game for a penalty, where we get it back to three all. We don't win the league because of that, Mm. 
and that's easily for, for, moments like that are easily forgotten if you're on the right side of it. True. It's 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 easy to stand up and say at this point of the season when we're chasing a game against a newly promoted team. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, let, let's I mean, let's switch it on its head. Let's say at that point the referee points to the spot. Do we all sit here and say, well, there was a touch on his back, and yeah, you know, he's he's been fouled there. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, but no. sometimes, sometimes you get <laughs> sometimes you get lucky, and uh, Wolves rode their luck pl- plenty of times in that game. Um, but that would have been very, very lucky, outrageously lucky, if that one was given. Um, the silver one that I've just said wasn't a penalty; was more of a penalty than the Aguero one. Um, it was a penalty. <laughs> that, 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 that light, that light sort of sh- uh, hand on the shoulder as he's running, like it can swerve you when you're running at pace. It swerve you off your momentum. But Aguero, he, like he bought, he tried to buy that all day long, and no, there's absolutely no way that was a penalty. Well, let's talk about uh, the, the the city equaliser because uh, it came from a, a free kick where Sterling knew the contact was coming and, and made it a free kick. Let's say. <laughs> um, it's a great header, isn't it? I mean, you look at that. First off, it's a great delivery into the right area, it and yeah. it's a it's a fantastic run, and just so much. It's one of those headed goals that you just look at and just think, "What a header!" You know what I mean? It was one of them where just in the split second before it happens, you know, you, you, you know could, it's you, going in. You could literally point at the part of the net where the ball yeah. is going to hit. You just know it, it's going to go in, and the keeper's going to have no chance. Um, yeah, it was a great goal, and it was good to see him get off the mark because. He look. He does look quite handy in the air. So you think he sh- he should be getting on some more of those kind of things? Because I know Stones did it a couple of times in the Champions League last year, and company can do it. Um, obviously, Otamendi can do it. So it's good to have that kind of. They've, a threat, got, considering... they've suddenly got quite a goal scoring lot of centre backs. C- con- yeah. Considering the height of the rest of the team. It's nice to have centre backs that can do that because we've not really got height anywhere else. And we know from companies, you know, back catalogue of performances that if City really are struggling, Guardiola was not afraid of throwing him on as an emergency striker towards the end of the game. <laughs> we saw that. What was it the one all against Everton where he where he randomly came on as a substitute yeah. for the last five minutes up front? God, so. yeah, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about Nicholas Artemendi until you've mentioned him there. Uh, Laporte has just been such a solid signing. Uh, and Automandy got a, f- a couple of great goals last year and very important goals Champions but, League Derby but he's the fourth uh, choice centre back yeah but he's absolutely the fourth choice centre back now and um, if Laporte's going to pop up with the odd goal I know he, it was his first and he got off the mark and we're only three days or three games sorry end of the season um, if he can be a goal scoring threat as well as Stones or company or whoever plays um, that's fairly handy isn't it who would be your first choice too then Stones and Laporte all day, yeah, absolutely same. all day. All day. Um, how did you feel when company? Sorry, I'm asking a question here, David. It's fine. Do don't this. worry. Don't worry. Don't uh, worry. No, I, so we're we're not a dictatorship here. It's fine. <laughs> how did you feel he's like, when he's we he's, totally he's, are a dictatorship? He's, 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 I'll cut all this out later. <laughs> he's locked the door on us. Uh, <laughs> send help. Feel, send you, help. <laughs> see what happens when you try to ask a question. Like you're, you're beat down. I know what you're doing. I know what your game is. Um, com- company. You're not on asking the, this question, mate. I'm not going to let you. Okay. What game is that? This one, Wolves, company on the team sheet ahead of Stones. How did you feel about that? I was a little bit disappointed. After the way that, that both Laporte and Stones had played in the in the games leading up to it, I was So I why, was would disappointed. He, why would he have named I, them? I, I, I could see why he did it, because obviously, because Stones and Laporte have started well, but I think he should be looking to build that partnership more. But I can see he's looked at Wolves on paper and thought... They've got a couple of big lads at the back. I think that the, the point is as well that, that City don't have a best 11 anymore. Yeah. 
they they mix and match depending on what their game plan is and what the opposition exactly, are likely yeah. to do. Yeah, when you think about Kyle Walker being dropped for Huddersfield. And it worked perfectly. Yeah, it absolutely did. So, yeah, I guess you can't think to yourself, oh, I'm out of the team and, you know, uh, get in a bit of a mood about it. Um, so, yeah, so absolutely. And why not play your, your captain? Who's brilliant, but Jesus, he had a shock with that lad, didn't he? <laughs> One person that uh, that might have had, might have been in a bit of a mood with uh, his performances so far this season. He, he looked rusty as hell when he came on. Was Leroy Sane? Um, what's what's going wrong there? I, t- I don't know whether it's um, it's it's something going wrong. I think it's he just looks like one of those players that needs a few games to get started because like that's the past past. Th- this is the third season now where it just looks like after pre-season he was injured in the first season. In fairness. Yeah, no, but I mean, even when he come into the side, obviously he looked ridiculously exciting, but he didn't look up to speed. So the first season, obviously you forgive him because, you know, he's getting used to a new league, he's a young player and all that kind of stuff. Last year he started out of position because he was started as a wing-back against Everton um, and he didn't start particularly well. Uh, uh, it was, I think, when he came on again, because he came on against Liverpool when he scored twice. Uh, I think those two goals then gave him the confidence. He looks like he's starting here and he just he just looks like one of those players that needs a catalyst at the start of the season and as soon as he gets that then it'll just it'll just it'll spark from that but yeah. he, he's got more competition this year he's got Mares also occupying one of the attacking spots in the team and he's got Mendy who's back I don't particularly like his attitude um, and you can really tell that you're a teacher yeah <laughs> 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 uh, well he's done absolutely no work over the summer and, uh, <laughs> He swanned back in here expecting. Yeah, no, I, I don't, as a 22-year-old, I don't think uh, Leroy Sané takes his job very seriously. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of growing up to do. I think he believes, believes his own hype a little bit too much. Um, I think he sees Pep as some sort of domineering ogre who just shouts at him all the time and he can't really, like like a spoiled teenager getting told to tidy his room. Um, I, I don't think Leroy Sané... I think he's um, naturally gifted and a wonderful, wonderful footballer, but he could be the sort of high-profile fallout. Um, you know how Pep has had those at, at Barcelona and, and, you know, in previous... Some some players don't actually take that well to Pep Guardiola, um, and I think Sané could be our one of those. What would you do, a, 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 you know, a few minutes outside the classroom or down to the headmaster's office um, or I a couple Pep, of detentions, I, maybe? I, I, it's, it's, it's a tough one because he's got so much natural ability, doesn't he? Um, and he's just a really, really gifted talent. So you're sort of hamstrung by him as a manager um, because no matter what you try to do, if you drop him, then that's cutting off your nose to spite your face, isn't it? Because... Uh, he can offer you so much on the pitch, as we saw in in flashes on Saturday afternoon. Um, you know when he, when he gave the ball away two or three times, and then suddenly magic. He came alive. He danced around six players with the ball. Uh, Aguero kind of got involved. The foul happened, and then we hit the bar in the ninety fifth minute. So, so something could have happened from Leroy Sane. Um, but I th- I think he needs to sort of get his um, get his head in the game a little bit. Um, Early, early on, earlier on in the season. One final question I want to want to kind of throw your way as well. Um, does City have a bit of a problem with the early kickoff when it's an away game? And I'm thinking Burnley last season, one all draw. You know, Palace last season, last minute penalty was nil nil in the end, and you know they could have lost it in the last minute. Bournemouth took a 97th minute winner 
never noticed that so that's a that's a great point uh maybe maybe it's me because you know like we all have our own lucky omens and unlucky omens i don't think it was you but go on i think i think those are the last four games that i watched on the couch in my pants so maybe that maybe that's an unlucky omen maybe i should get dressed generally that <laughs> as life advice goes that that is that, that's up there get dressed yeah cut that out if you want <laughs> Right, so we're moving on. And this weekend marks the 10-year anniversary of the start of the takeover by Sheikh Mansour. Since then, the club has transformed both on and off the pitch, and you get the feeling that things are never going to be the same again. Sam Roscoe's been looking at how things changed back in 2008. Ten years ago was a very different time. The Apple App Store was just two months old, and Android didn't exist. The investment bank Lehman Brothers was yet to collapse. The word vlog was a year off being added to the Oxford English Dictionary and Manchester City were close to going into administration. Quite simply, you had to go out and find new owners. And we spoke to, you know, Greek shipping tycoons and we spoke to a few different guys and, uh, you know, the wind came blowing through and we were in the right direction when we, uh, we made contact with the guys from Abu Dhabi. That's former City Chief Executive Gary Cook. Owner tax in Shinawatra was on the run and his assets had been frozen. Cook explains how former chairman John Wardle was helping out. We were in dire straits. We were shortly about to go into administration. There was a, there was a big challenge ahead. And uh, John is a, is a City fan through and through. And I've, I've been public with this before, is that if it wasn't for John, um, I think we would have been in a much worse situation. And who knows, once you lose control and a football club goes into the hands of administrators, it can be uh, it can be very challenging. He told us despite how it looked, City were actually a good investment at the time. Manchester City was great value for money, a big football club in a big city that was known as a footballing city. They say that 72% of all businesses, uh, the value is in intangible assets, not necessarily all of the things that you're buying that you can fix and see and... They're actually the things like goodwill and the brand value and all of those things. And I think City fit the bill there. Football historian and City fan Gary James was working at the club when the takeover happened. He thinks it's difficult to believe just how much has changed. Ten years isn't actually a long time in football. You know, it feels like a long time. But when you think about it, think back to, say, 1998, ten years before that, not much had happened. Up and down a little bit, um, a couple of fifth place finishes in the Premier League. But, you know, it was season after season was fairly normal. For City, the last 10 years have seen us go from struggling Premier League team to being champions in this way. And not just once, we've been champions three times. We've won the League Cup, we've won the FA Cup. The sustained level of success is something Daniel Storey from Football 365 thinks is worthy of credit too. It's allowed Manchester City to artificially bridge the gap to an established financial elite, both in the Premier League and abroad, which is something that is a lot harder to do in practice than it is in theory. Many other clubs have tried and failed to, to bridge that gap with with wealthy owners, perhaps not as wealthy as, as Sheikh Mansour, but, but particularly wealthy owners, and, and they failed to do that. And for Gary James, the takeover came out of the blue. He was meeting Gary Cook that morning about the club's museum. His PA said to me, he's running a bit late, um, something's happening. Right? I'm thinking, oh yeah, he's, you know, where is he? Right? And then he came bouncing in, and I mean bouncing, I've never seen him so animated, so excited. Right? Um, 
And he went, Gaz, Gaz. He'd never called me Gaz before. Never, right? Gaz, Gaz. We've got to call the meeting off. Something's happening. You're going to love it. Later on in the takeover process, Gary was called in to speak to the new chairman. Gary Cook said, Gaz, again, Gaz. Um, he's going to ask you so- lots of questions. Tell him the absolute truth. Don't try to hide our weaknesses. Don't try to say that we're better than we are. Tell him the absolute truth. After the meeting, Gary came away feeling positive about the new owners. He also said that we're not here for, you know, five years, a bit of glory or or what you've seen. But he already talked about investing not just in players. He said we'll get lots of attention for buying players, but it's what else we do. So invest in the facilities. Daniel Storey explains how that is worthy of recognition. They've also invested in the wider framework of the club, not just the first team playing staff and management. Um, They've invested in the academy, they've invested in the women's team, they've invested in the facilities at the club and they've created a, a club that is a good news story on the pitch. It should also be said that they've invested in the local area. Uh, the community projects and the regeneration strategy that they've implemented in Manchester is pretty much like no other within English football, and they deserve applause for that. On the pitch, though, is where the headlines were really being made. The first major move was on transfer deadline day in 2008. Rubinho signed, and it was the start of big-name players arriving at Eastland. Gary Cook tells us how the attempt to sign Kaka the following January wasn't all just hot air. There's a realism to knowing that you've got a very, very slight chance. But it was a representation of our ambition. And I think what it did was it made a lot of people go, well, hold on a minute. Maybe these guys are serious. Which impacts the players. It impacts the fans. It impacts the employees. And the world of football was starting to look a little different. All of a sudden, there was a new kid on the block. He adds that it was a learning curve in those early days. I look back on it now and people go, oh, what what was all that about? Hey, learnt a lot. The club learned a lot. And I've actually bumped into Kaka and he said, you know, sometimes I wish I'd come. So we all have our point of view. I was allowed to have a point of view. I was allowed to say they're bald because I thought they did. In the years that followed, Mark Hughes, Roberto Mancini, Manuel Pellegrini and now Pep Guardiola have all spent big to build City into the force that they have become. They're three-time Premier League champions, plus three-time League Cup and one-time FA Cup winners in the Sheikh Mansour era. And they're the only English side to be ever present in the Champions League since 2011 as well. However, there is a but that comes with it all. Daniel's story explains. A mere fraction of research indicates that the human rights issues employed by the club's ownerships in their own country far fall short of you know, decency that, that we would expect in England. Pointing that out is not trying to bring City down, it's not trying to victimise them, it's not trying to undermine their model, it's merely the truth. He thinks that poses a moral question. Should fans care? I could not criticise any Manchester City supporter who no longer attended games because they felt that it was inappropriate for them to do so uh, on a moral judgment. And and it would be nobody's place to to criticise that at all. But to many, football is an escape. uh, And supporting a football club is a a means of channelling that escape into something that they consider deeply meaningful. But Daniel also doesn't blame fans who choose to ignore that side of things. Choosing to ignore the behaviour of owners is something, therefore, that many supporters do to lesser and greater degrees. And I would argue that with Manchester City's owners, it's to a greater degree. You know, should Chelsea supporters worry about 
Roman Abramovich's business practices? Should Manchester United supporters worry that the Glazer family financially supported Donald Trump? We all take a leave of morality when supporting a modern football club because, sadly, that is the reality. He adds that fans also shouldn't be criticised for ignoring what happens behind the scenes. Supporting a football club is not the same as supporting a football club's owner. Plenty of Manchester City supporters have a long-established and hardwired you know, emotional connection to their club um, that isn't held up by them winning trophies or lavishly investing on the club. And that emotional connection is not going to be eroded by the club's ownership model or their behaviour. Um, if that sounds morally murky, then welcome to modern football. Ultimately, everything City have achieved in the last decade wouldn't have been possible without the investment from Sheikh Mansour. But is there any truth to the argument that the club would be up the creek without a paddle if the owners walked away now? Gary James thinks not. Now City is sustainable. And people say, oh, it's being propped up by a, a sponsorship deal with Etihad. Well, if Etihad go, there may well be a, a you know, I think of an airline, British Airways, right? You know, a British Airways might come in and say, actually, we want to sponsor a club. The club is so far removed from what people thought it was or think it is. If the Sheikh decided to sell the club tomorrow, he's going to make a profit, good luck to him, and the person who buys the club is going to buy a profitable football club. And manager Pep Guardiola is under no illusions how important September 2008 was. If you tell me in the next years what is the, the big influence and is important in Sheikh Mansour, no, no doubt about that. The manager we are one to... The period we are, the players come, the players gone, but who decide to try to make, you know, this a step further is the, the guys from Abu Dhabi who took over the club. The last 10 years have certainly been eventful and it's been exciting to watch how far City have developed in that time. With the long-term thinking that's been part of the on-the-pitch success over the last decade, you can't help but feel that the next decade will be just as fun as well. Hi, this is David Bernstein, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Sam Roscoe looking at 10 years of Sheikh Mansour. Um, when, I mean, when you look back at, at where City were when they were taken over and where they are now, how do you feel? Because I don't think I don't think we take enough time to kind of step back and think about that sometimes. It's gone poorly, hasn't it? <laughs> um... <laughs> Blinking neck. Uh, yeah, you have to pinch yourself sometimes, don't you? To win the Premier League three times is just it's beyond your wildest dreams. But th- I mean, think back to two thousand and seven. You never thought you'd see City win the league. Oh, we were no, tough no, for a no, bit no. in the Sven no. season. Oh, it was great. Under Sven, I thought we were going to win the league. I did, yeah. about. <laughs> you take the point though, don't you? Yeah, it's but even even the year of the takeover was was a bit bizarre because obviously it started amazing with that Chelsea game. Even even though we got beat, it just it just felt like full of hope. But then and Mark, relegation zone by Christmas. But mm. Mark, Mark Hughes just did his best to ruin the whole thing, didn't he? He's just he's just awful. For did you have a bad feeling about Mark Hughes straight away, or were you enthusiastic and happy when he got the job, yeah. or, or after the takeover when he got the job? Um, I I thought he'd do all right just because. You know the reports were that City had no money. They were so strapped for cash that that he would have to work on a budget, and he'd done that already. And then as soon as they got the money, I thought mm, he's the wrong I, man. I, I, I don't these. know if he's going to do it. I, yeah. I, I was a complete idiot with Hughes because 
I backed him right up until the end, and I didn't think at the time that he should have been sacked. And it's only with hindsight that I look back and go, "What the hell were you thinking?" <laughs> I sort of forget the um, the bad sort of times under Hughes, and remember the better times like that by or some some laughs, some joys that we had. That knee, that, well, I mean, we talked about it recently on the on the Patreon, but that knee slide was it, it was the moment the penny dropped, and everybody went, "Oh, I, I see what he's doing." Yeah, I got called a glory hunter the night that we signed Adebayor. You are. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just got back from Interrail and the only garment that I had that I didn't bring on holidays for two weeks was a city shirt and my uh, wardrobe, so I wore it to a party that night. Huge <laughs> <You> tramp. <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was a glory hunter because we signed out of Bayor that day. God, it's uh, amazing the memories this brings back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, where were you when you found out about it? The takeover? The, oh, when uh, I was on holiday in Turkey, I just remember like we sat down for a meal and there was a massive screen on the side and it was just like slowly ticker-taping along on the red thing. And it was like... Uh, bids have been put in for Mario Gomez and Dimitar Berbatov and it's slowly ticking along and I just remember like this United fan walking past the restaurant to stop and he's just like that and then it just went from Manchester and then it come up City like that as the thing come past and you just seen this jaw drop go oh what it's them and not us yeah. and it was absolutely perfect then later on that night couldn't get any internet reception so I remember just texting my mum and saying just tell me who who we've signed before we go to bed and it was like, got this text message when I'd been out. I was a bit pissed. I was like, Rubinho? I was like, she must have got that confused. He signed, <laughs> he signed for Chelsea. I was like, my mum's clearly got this wrong. And it was like, no, we've actually signed Rubinho. My brother woke me up that day to tell me that said he'd been taken over, but I kind of had him in my head. <laughs> well, like Christmas. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Honestly, said he'd, he'd been taken over. Um, he's been, he's but, been, yeah, he's been. But but I thought it was going to be another Portsmouth or another Newcastle. I thought I didn't ever think we were going to go the right way with that takeover. I thought we were going to. Um, I thought the takeover but, itself was well, going to be. But the thing, so, the thing so, is, Salim and Al Fahim didn't give a great impression of it. To be fair, yeah. the only the only kind of reference point you had at that stage as well for for so many City fans was either Francis Lee. Or taxing Sinawatra. Yeah. And like the, the case that like, like the case studies so far hadn't been great. That's it. But then following the sort of Berbatov thing all day was funny. because uh, didn't Fergie like pick him up in his own car or something from the yeah, airport? Yeah. yeah, he smuggled him into Carrington, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, him up so, so you were just like, mm. it was a bit of a laugh, you know, it was like a car chase going on with City that day. That was funny. Uh, and then I was working that evening and it, we come out of the restaurant in the bar that was adjoined to it and uh, Eugene Valentine the barman said uh, you've signed Rubinho and I said oh no I'm a City fan and he said yeah no you, you've signed Rubinho and then he turned on like the, the bar was in darkness it was closed and he turned on the little telly and was like watch Sky Sports News there and it come along the yellow at the bottom I was just like this is uh, absolutely for real can I, can you, I just Eugene start? Valentine oh you should see him man. he's brilliant did you, Eugene did you Valentine te- yeah, did you yeah, tell yeah. him you were going to name check no, him in I did not because no, no. that, that was a name drop no, and, no, no, and no, I no. thought I don't know who this man is oh he's great you should meet him he's brilliant his nickname's We Angry <laughs> he's <laughs> mad <laughs> as the day is long he's the best barman in County Down honest to God the Donner Bar uh, yeah, Liverpool fan. He's a great guy. He's I've done. Guy. I've done three this, shows this, this season. This, this, There's this, been this, promo for other no, companies. No, no, I, I wasn't. So many. Uh, he's just a good podca- mate. This podcast is sponsored by, <laughs> by Eugene no, he's, Valentine. Uh, no, he's sound, he's sound as fuck as you made him. Um, I'll take he's in there for a pint. You don't even drink. You can have a little glass of Vimto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, he put he turned the TV on on the little sidebar that was closed and and shut up shop and uh, there I was stood just aghast. Um, but he, and he, now here we are. 
Well, I mean, you mentioned about the Adebayor slap. It's the, there's so many things that it, it opened the door to that were that would just that would have been like never would have had the chance to. We we talk in the, this week's patron shows all about City in the Champions League, but would City have ever got to the Champions League if it wasn't for the it, for the cash injection? Would it, would you ever that, ever have had the moments like you know just not having silver? Yeah, hmm. I just imagine just not having silver, like oh, like silver. Yeah, yeah, Aguero. You'd never have Aguero. One other thing that I, that I wanted to ask about the takeover because I, I find this interesting. Do you ever worry for future generations that have never experienced what it was like before the takeover? Considering you know my wife's expecting right now, no, not really. Because <laughs> I think I think uh, one of the things is like you pass down stories, don't you? Like city city isn't just you know about your own personal experiences. It's about heritage and conversations. And talking in houses and talking in pubs and stuff like that. I, w- I will say there's something different about City when it comes to, I, and, I, and I mean different, not in a in a negative way, because when you look at, at how City celebrate their past, City fans are perversely proud of the way the club was could do stupid stuff. Yeah, I think. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I I I I have no doubt in my mind that we will consi- just because we're in a purple patch at the minute, we will continue to do stupid stuff. We'll just do it on a different level than what we used to. <laughs> if we stop doing stupid stuff, that would be the end for us. I, we we need to. That's that's in the, the DNA of the club. <laughs> I'm loath to use that term, oh, but that. um, but but it is. If you if you weren't typical city anymore and you didn't do ridiculous things that get other people talking, I sometimes I think. So I, in that I, sense, will t- typical city will never go away? Well, you would like to, you would like to think that we'll always do ridiculous things, um. But it annoys me a little bit that the ridiculous things that we're doing now are um, so easy to take the piss out of. Like, let's say the most recent stupid thing that I remember us doing was that ridiculous, um, if you love Man City, clap your hands. The video, video yeah. that, that popped up. Like, that that's horrible because that is a stupid thing that other people laugh at. That But we can't really laugh at that because we just, we're watching that through... You know, we're watching that from behind a cushion and you know, mortified for ourselves because it's like crass and commercial. And actually, and there's when you compare that to holding the ball by the corner flag to safely get relegated, <laughs> yeah. like there's, no, there's no competition. Yeah, no, but, no, but uh, like this season we've held the ball by well, last season we held the ball by the corner flag to win a game at Old Trafford to rip the mick out of them. But that was funny. That was the yeah, that's what I mean. Season. That's funny. But that's that's the that's the that's a that's like typical city won't die, but it will change. So like. What Kieran, the advert that Kieran's using there as an example, it's like we could laugh about it and we weren't even that particularly embarrassed by it because it was cringeworthy, but we were distanced from it. Whereas if we were crap, then it would be much more difficult. Like that to me is on a par with when we were playing Bolton and what did we hit the bar six or seven times and lost one nil, yeah, and we lost one nil, but we piped in bloody psycho chants over the tannoy. Do you remember that during yeah, the game? Yeah, yeah. That is one of the most mortifying experiences I've ever had in the ground, and I wanted the I wanted the earth to swallow me up. I thought this is pathetic. Whereas I think if we were absolutely crap and we'd have released that video last year, I would have felt the exact same. But because we won, it didn't matter. I t- yeah, I take the point. I mean, one one final thing on 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 the Mansour era before we move on. Um, I I mean, I I I'm, I'm loath to say favorite moment because everybody's going to immediately go to to what happened in 2012 more or less. Maybe last season now, but I mean, one I just want one kind of human moment from you. That one thing that that stands out on a personal level as as something that maybe you never thought you'd see, and then there it was. 
I quite like Martin Di Michaelis running with the Premier League trophy. <laughs> yeah. Ponytail flopping. Um, and somebody put it to the Titanic music as well. <laughs> that, that was gorgeous. Um, that was Sean, wasn't it, that did that first? Yeah. yeah. As trivial as it sounds like, obviously, the Aguero moment, you want to think of different ones. You want to think about like the amount of times that we've just levered United has been brilliant. Um, like to narrow it down to to like actual specific moments, the joy in company's face um, from scoring that goal was just absolutely unbelievable. Right, well, uh, moving on, it's uh, Newcastle up next in the Premier League for City after after two points dropped in the in the Wolves game. How important? I mean, it it's difficult to sit here and say it's a must win game because it's the fourth game of the season. But how important is it to to not let that affect them and and to kind of get back into the flow of things? Because last season, you know, they that they built last season on. You know, a succession of wins and being able to come back from from setbacks. It's Newcastle. Well, I mean, we've got the obvious Aguero hat trick incoming because he loves Newcastle. It's it's Newcastle. Like it is literally the idea. Newcastle at home is our ideal game, whether we, before money or after money. Like it's. I, I think am I, am I right that I, we've got more points against them than any other Premier League I team? I think yeah, and I think like just overtaking Villa as it or yeah, like and that, I think yeah. it's the longest winning streak against any side. Yeah, and Aguero scored a ridiculous amount of 140 goals. against, you know, one team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aguero registers a goal or an assist every 31 minutes against Newcastle at the Etihad. Fantasy check. League captain, folks. Check, there you, you go. Check you out, Stattle. I know. I don't know what came over me. Um, yeah, um, it's important that we it's important that we win at the weekend. It's an international break after that as well. Um, everybody seems to be jumping on the fact that City um, drawing against Wolves compared to last season is a problem but we we drew against Everton early on last season as well so we're in the exact same position as we were after three games um, hopefully we can go on a run now obviously that would be nice uh, City always win the league in an even number year which sounds like it's a flippant comment from me but actually an even number year brings with it a tournament in the summer so one of the reasons that we've struggled so much to hold on to the title and def- to defend it is that we've always won it in a tournament summer. Uh, so be it so the, coming off the back of yeah, a tournament. So be it the Euros or be it the World Cup. Um, and we were banding around the stats in the summer that was brilliant. We were all dead proud of it that 16 City players went to the World Cup. But actually, um, in hindsight, we're kind of living to regret that a little bit because nobody got a good rest. And 16 of our players have had uh, a mentally and physically strenuous summer. Um, So when you look at De Bruyne's injured now and um, Sané's not at his best, Fernandinho's looking a little bit leggy, a little bit ropey, um, it would be nice to kind of uh, get this win under our belt. Uh, Hopefully, Touchwood win um, convincingly and then go into the break, the international break, because actually a few of our players haven't been recalled to their international squad, so they can maybe get a two-week break, which would, which would be quite pleasant. When you look at Newcastle's performance against Chelsea, they were arguably very unlucky with a, a dodgy penalty decision, perhaps, and you know they they, they were dogged in defence. They haven't offered a lot this season so far, Newcastle. So I mean, you they can got, you can they only got beat by a poor Forest side the other night. I was going to say you that can was only unlucky too. You can only really see them trying one thing, can't you? And, it, and you can't really see it working. I I really like Newcastle, and in terms of another team in the league that I'd have a fondness for, it would be them. I really feel sorry for the fans with Same what here, Ashley's yeah. done. I think it's an absolute disgrace. Um, I think the I think Benitez is a top class manager. Um, I think they have got. I, I wouldn't go along with fully that they've got a championship squad, but it's not that much better than that. I think it's a team 
that's probably you're looking at about the 17th, 16th, 17th best squad in the league. So they are going to struggle with the way that they are hamstrung by an absolutely god awful owner. They made 40 million off signings in the summer and uh, didn't buy anybody. The window uh, shot House of Fraser. The window shot, and literally <laughs> the day after that, he bought House of Fraser. Yeah. That is an absolute disgrace. We've had, we've had a glorious ten minutes there talking about our takeover and how lucky we've been and, and and you have to pinch yourself. We've we've won the lottery. There's no two ways about it. And their club has been taken over by a vile human being. He's disgusting. Um, he he spitefully seems to be rubbing <laughs> rubbing uh, it in the fans' faces now that he's got. It's just pure power play all the time. Uh, to buy House of Fraser. The day after the window shut, after spending no money on players, that that's absolutely that's awful. Um, so we could have been the the reason why the reason why I, I kind of bring that up is that that could have been us. Uh, we could have been as Casey's just said, they're sixteenth, seventeenth in in the league. They finished tenth last season with Rafa Benitez. What a manager, a brilliant manager, very successful man. Um, and they should be kicking on, but instead, now we talked about luck there as well. Um. They're opening games, Chelsea, Spurs, us. They played well against Spurs, to be yeah, fair. but they've been beaten two one by both Chelsea and Spurs. Like defending doggedly, uh, they went five at the back against Chelsea. We we we've come up against a different, but um, in Casey's technical and tactical analysis earlier on, Wolves five at the back wasn't really a, a five at the back. But if you remember, it's in James Park last year. They set up basically five five zero against us. Shelby was giving the ball back to Ederson, and then. They were just standing off. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can probably expect that at, at home at half five um, on Saturday. But I think we should have enough in the tank. We're, we'll be fired up and Pep will have been merciless, I reckon. Uh, some of the sloppiness on, on Saturday against Wolves will, oh, you would imagine, be ironed out. Well, you said before it, it might have brought everybody back down to earth. Yeah. And, you know, it, <laughs> that's not really good news for Newcastle, is it? You would like to have thought so. Um, I don't know whether I've mentioned this or not, but um, Sergio Aguero either registers a goal or an assist every 31 minutes. So you've done you've done your research, haven't you? <laughs> he's, he's, re- he's, re- he's read, read one, one stat. <laughs> he's read one tweet by somebody else. <laughs> right, so after a flying start to the season, we've had two losing weeks on the bounce, so it'd be nice to have a winner on the charity bet this week. William Hill has given each Blue Moon podcaster a £10 correct score single for City's games, and all the winnings are going to the Christia Cancer Hospital in Manchester. The total for the season stands at 100 quid. so let's see if we can't add to that. Um... Kieran, what are you going for? I've gone for three one, same as last season. Three. Also a tribute to the fact that Sergio Aguero uh, registers an assist or a goal every <laughs> thirty one minutes. <laughs> uh, three one is ten to one, so hundred pounds. You'll double the pot if you're right. Uh, KC, what are you what are you having? Uh, I've gone for me traditional six one. Six one. I really hope you're right. Cause that's thirty five to one. Uh, it would be, I think, our biggest win at uh, three hundred and fifty quid. So. Uh, you know, gold speed, fingers crossed for you. I've gone 4-0, which is actually a rather measly 7-1, to so uh, it's a 70 quid if I'm right. You've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change, and for more information about responsible gambling, visit begambleaware.org. The Blue Moon Podcast Best Bits. He kind of jumps on me back, Tevez. He's never getting to the ball, so I'm just shielding the ball, and as he does it, he just jumps and he kind of like swings his arm across me. So he's tried to punch me. In my eyes, he's tried to punch me. I know what he's done, he knows what he's done. So as I look around, it's clear that Lionsman hasn't spotted it, Mike Dean hasn't spotted it, and I don't like Tevez anyway, didn't like him and from playing against them. So I thought, you're getting a bit like. So I've, I've, I've the red mist descended. So I'm thinking no one's watching because they've already missed the first one. 
So I've just waited for him to come behind me and just elbowed him in the face. Obviously, he's gone down. I'm, no one's seen it, but obviously the linesman has seen him gone down. He's flagged, and then Aguero and all, all, all is running over. No, no one's seen it, and Aguero runs over to Mike Dean and says, he's elbowed him, he's elbowed him, he's elbowed him. So I'm thinking, I might get away with the yellow yet anyway, red card. And um, at that point, I'm just like, right, just get one, take one of these off with you. You know, spoke, Bobby Zamora came over and said, take one with you. So I, at that point, I'm like, we can even it up, because a draw's a good result for us, we stay up on a draw. And I, I'm, I'm not wanting City to win the league. Hear the full interview on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. I'm Joey Barton. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. So then it's time to finish with Ask the Panel. This is the bit of the show where you send in your questions and we dodge around the answers until we're, uh, we feel like we've done enough on them. So uh, at Blue Moon Podcast is the best way to do it on Twitter. You can also email bluemoonpodcast at gmail.com or get us on the website as well, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, first up, Jack Miller's been in touch through the website. What do you think of the Champions League draw now that City are in pot one of the new system? Um, can we just remind the listeners who we... Drew in the Champions League. Well, have, have you forgotten yourself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was Shakhtar Donetsk. Yes. Leon. Yes. And Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim. Okay. Yeah, Hoffenheim. And who did you think Hoffenheim were before? <sighs> no, I didn't think. Right. <laughs> we had a uh, PlayStation game based on Formula One. And Murray Walker was a commentator, and I just remember always hearing, and it's go, go, go at Hoffenheim. But yeah, then like I said, it's it's go, go, go at Hockenheim. Right. Yeah, isn't it in Gels? Is it in Gelsenkirchen? I have or no I idea. Made that up? Yeah, it might be. I don't know. And I think they're. I think they're. I made... don't even know British geography, mate. I'm I, not going to know what's going on in Europe. I, I, I might be completely wrong on that, but I think they are similar. I think they're in the rural region, similar to like Schalke and Dortmund. I think so, but I might be completely wrong. It's better than Hockenheim. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it is at least <laughs> the right place. Right, go on. What do you know about Leon then, Kieran? Um, <laughs> the the women's team are good. Knock City out of the Champions League a few times. Yeah. Leon generally play decent football. In the past couple of years, it's between them and Marseille for who's been the the third best team in France after, after obviously PSG, PSG yeah. and Monaco. Um, traditionally, up until the PSG takeover, they I think they won the league eight times in a row, Leon. Um, they've got some decent players, but obviously they lost Lacazette at the start of last season and they almost lost Fekir this summer, who doesn't seem particularly happy to be there, even though that's their boyhood team. I'll be honest with you, I've not seen Fekir play a lot, but the fact that Liverpool were interested in him means he must be half decent, and the fact that he seemed all right when he came off the bench for France in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, when when you look at, at how the draw's been done, City obviously won the league, so they go into pot one. The, the, the system is a lot fairer now, isn't it? I mean, you think think back to the number of times, where, well, the, the two times previously where City were going in as defending champions in England and ended up with, with ridiculously difficult groups because of the way the seeding system yeah. works. I'd genuinely rather have a free draw in it, though. Because, you know... I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for separating the teams from the same country. I suppose, yeah. Uh, I, I, but I'd, I'd genuinely just have a complete free draw. I mean, I, I understand why seeding's there, um, but the state of that locomotive Moscow group, that's not even a Europa League group. And then you've, then you've got... You've not even really got a group of death this year. Like, they're all pretty straightforward for... For most of the top teams, you know, Spurs are unlucky, but you know, Spurs will still get out of that group, really. Um, and I, I just think 
it it kind of ruins it. Even this year, we've got Shakhtar, who we had in the group stages last year. And to me, the whole point, certainly for me growing up, what I enjoyed about watching on the Champions League as a neutral, which I had to be then because obviously we were a million miles away <laughs> from it, was the fact that you got to see different teams play different teams every year. I mean, I don't want to see Bayern Munich play Real Madrid again. I'm sick of it. I don't want to see Chelsea play Barcelona again. I'm sick to death of it. As a neutral, it doesn't hold any interest or wonder for me anymore when that keeps happening. I would just prefer a free draw. It's the it's the classic elite um, and the traditional, those traditional big clubs, as it were, um, seem to have an awful, an awful lot of sway. So... Uh, so that's why it's always going to be uh, there or thereabouts in the, in the in the last eight. Very similar, hugely established big teams. The odd time, the odd time somebody comes along and uh, and puts the cat amongst the pigeons. But pff, nine times out of ten, you got the a same winner. And uh, the last three seasons has been the same winner, like um, very admirably, and they've done great. But that's not really what we want to see, is it? Yeah, mix it up a bit, lads. Yeah, on. yeah. Um, happy with the draw? You you've got to be. Um, I don't. The only thing, I mean, the away fans will be very happy because they get to go to two uh, new places, two yeah. new places, and and that's great. I mean, I don't feel envious at all when I uh, see people booking flights away to European destinations over the winter. Um, as, as spectacles, I don't think they're anything. We should get out of the group comfortably. Um, I would like us to go further than the last eight. It's just whether they run into Liverpool again. That's isn't it. it. That's 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 the thing. Kryptonite. Just a bogey side, isn't it? Yeah. But g- genuinely, I I think it's it's a decent enough draw. I think we've got some good teams there. We've not really got any particularly poor teams. I think that's really all you can hope for at this point because the way that the seeding is, because we were in pot one, it, it the draw didn't really matter. You know, I think we pretty much we would have been sat here with pretty much the same reaction with whatever draw we would have got. I think it's a worrying indictment on the way we think about things. That I'm genuinely more excited for. The Carabao Cup draw, Oxford United away. I was going to say I was I was going to touch on this just be, before we moved on. Um, it's 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 a bizarrely odd feeling to get a draw like that. Yeah, um, they must have forgot to put Eddie's ball in the microwave or, this year. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's cubes anyway isn't it for the Carabao Cup who's, right. who's watched the Carabao Cup draw come on I, David why have you just pissing my bone for like that I don't know I just wasn't wasn't the Carabao Cup draw like last year at one all point right, like I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry alright yeah so that feels like a, it feels like a Man United draw that and they've mixed up the Manchester's this year for once <laughs> uh, to get Oxford what league are Oxford what, so, so what, what do you know what, uh, the, what do you know about Oxford then uh, loads there's a university there but <laughs> That's literally I know loads there's two things <laughs> and finally Logan Armstrong's been in touch through the website to ask why do you think we're not seeing the likes of Foden and Diaz as much as we'd like that's a good question Logan um, because time is on their side I reckon um, Phil Foden is looking very good very accomplished he doesn't look out of place he's, he's registered a couple of assists um, and yeah, he's very much within the fold of our squad at the moment. Um, as we touched upon earlier, I don't think there is such a thing as a first eleven at Manchester City anymore. Uh, and somebody is going to be missing out every week to be on the bench. But if you take that even further, somebody's going to be missing out and won't even um, be with the squad. And it's been Delph a couple of times. It'll be Diaz, it'll be Foden. Um, 
I imagine you'll see both of those boys playing away at Oxford and we'll get a good look at them then. That'll be a great game for them to play in. Um, and yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get the Champions League games uh, wrapped up fairly early and maybe they'll play in a few. We'll, we'll, we'll end up with dead rubbers and that and we'll see them. Um, time is on their side, Logan. And um, I think if we be patient with them, we'll be all right. I'd like to see them more, but um, but, but we need three points in every game at the moment and they're, they're just uh, too young at the moment. Pretty much there's experience ahead of them. I, I'm pleasantly surprised with how much uh, Foden's played this, this season. I wanted him to play more towards the back end of last season, don't get me wrong. To be perfectly honest with you, I think if Diaz's contract situation and he wasn't in the last year of it, I think he'd have been sent out on loan. I think he's only been kept as to try and butter him up to sign a new contract because he will be worth a lot of money. Um, putting my uh, cynical head on, which is always on. It's usually off, I was going to say. Yeah. Never usually off, is it? <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think Foden will play. I, I think Foden will play. Um, I think he'll start probably less than five games, but I think he'll he'll make more than twenty appearances, which I think for a player of his age, I think for a in a team of City's level as well, I think is is very good, and I think in this time this time in two years, I think he'll be starting pretty one of the first names on the team sheet. I think he's that good. I don't know whether Brahim will make it. I think he's a very good player. I think he's, I think he's like a just. He's he's a Champions League pot two player for me. I think he would walk. I think within the next couple of years he'd walk into any of the teams in Champions League pot two. Whether he's a pot one player, hopefully he proves me wrong. Well, it's a uh, so wait and see. Ya. Kieran Clark, Kieran Murray, thank you very much. Time, mate. Thanks, David Minnie. Thank you very much for listening. We've got an extra special bonus show as well for Patreon backers. Uh, that's for $2 a month. You'll uh, you'll get an extra ten, at least 10 minutes a week. Uh, this week we're talking about the Champions League and uh, maybe why City fans haven't really got on board with the competition. So uh, do go and check that out. We'll see you in seven days' time. Was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.